Hi, and welcome to the Newberry Chronicles. This is a podcast where two people read through every Newberry medal-winning book, and then we talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Rebecca. And this time, we are going to be talking about Flora and Ulysses, an illustrated, excuse me, The Illuminated Adventures uh, by Kate DeCamelo. So um, this was the 2014 Newberry Medal winner. But first, let's talk about quickly what we've been reading recently. Rebecca, tell us. Well, right now I'm trying to figure out my Mac. Rebecca just got a new computer because she got a new job. Yes, which is why I guess we should explain why it's taken us so long to record this um, episode. It's because there's been some life changes, guys, and they're all very good, but they've taken up a lot of time. So I have since navigated my list. I have a long list of things that I've read And all of these except one have been ones that I've read, like, listened to for audiobooks. So I'm not going to give you a synopsis of all of them. I'm just going to kind of go through the list. Just to drive For the sake of time. And then um, if you want to email me about ones you have questions about, you can let me know. I'll email you. I'm bad at drive-by, so I I might say a few things about some of these books. So You're anyway, going to be like those people who drive by and then stop in the middle of the street to talk to their friends who are also me. driving by. That's me. So I read Native Son by Richard Wright, which was my first and only Richard Wright that I read, and it was very sad. And I was glad that I went into this book without knowing anything about it, really. Um, but then I have this habit of, when I'm listening to audiobooks, forgetting who characters are. And so I try to look up like a character list on the internet, but then I always run into spoilers. So I'm kind of mad that I spoiled a part of this book that's pretty much known to everyone else as I was reading it. But um, I thought that book was very well done and um, also very sad. I read Prodigal Summer by Barbara Kingsolver, which was just fine. <laughs> I don't, it was just fine. And I read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zavine, which was phenomenal. I want to talk to everybody about this book, which everybody has been reading this book since 2022 when it came out because it was on a really, really long wait list on Libby. And um, even me that doesn't care anything about video games really enjoyed this book and the whole premise is around video games. It was very good. I read My Antonia and O Pioneers by Willa Cather, and I learned that I am not a fan of Willa Cather. Me neither. And I read um, Mad Honey by Jodi Picoult and Jennifer Finney Boylan. And that book was really great. And your Aunt Kathy Cooper suggested it to me. So thank you, Aunt Kathy Cooper. That book was very good. I read Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And I wished that I would have read it physically. I think that's one that I'd like to own because it's hard to listen to on audiobook. But she has a lot of wisdom and I think it's helpful to just go back and explore things. Like like many books about mental health and emotional well-being, those are good ones to have to refer back to as necessary. I read Counting the Cost by Jill Duggar, and I will admit that this was one that I read as an ebook when I was supposed to be reading Flora and Ulysses and Suchery because I was so excited when it finally showed up that it was available. Um, and that I think she does a really good job of telling her story, and I think she does a really good job of telling her 
like version of a story that she never consented to tell in the first place, you know. So anyway, I would love to talk about that book with anybody because Michael's probably, well, I know that Michael's tired of hearing about the Duggars from me, <laughs> but that book was really I, um... good. I was really proud of her. And then, just today, I finished Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Brent. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Um, and this book has been out since the 90s. And it, when I tell you that I was on a several-week wait list for this book, I'm not joking. And eight people were waiting for it when I finished it because it is that good. It is that good. And people are still reading it. And I don't know if there's, like, some type of resurgence for it right now or if it's still so popular, but I want to watch the movie. Um, but that is my list. Also, I've read a ton of Magic Treehouse books with my son, but I didn't write those down. Um, that's right. They're interchangeable. Because he's gotten really into those, and that's been really fun to read chapter books with him and see him get excited and um, really pay attention to that. So um, that's what I've read. What about you, Michael? I have not read nearly so many things. I read, let's see, I don't remember what I talked about last time because it's been so long. Um, but I read Naked Lunch by William S. Burroughs, which was wild. Um, I've read, um, what else have I read? I've read... Um, You've read more of Sutri than I, I have. I have continued to read Cormac McCarthy's Sutri. And I don't know if we talked about that on the last podcast or not, but we are currently yeah, in a kind of it. loosely knit book club reading through Sutri, and so I'm, I'm about halfway through right now, enjoying it. Um, it's funny, which is something I wasn't expecting of a Cormac McCarthy novel. And then um, right now, I am reading the, um, it's called Endless Endless. It's a book a friend loaned to me. Um, which it's like basically an oral history of the Elephant Six Collective, which is like a musical kind of circle of uh, like a circle of musicians who put out a lot of music that like if you're into indie rock is pretty significant. So like Neutral Milk Hotel or of Montreal or Olivia Tremor Control. Um, so like that kind of like '90s indie rock, like they're really important to that, and so. Um, I don't know, I, or I didn't know a lot about those musicians outside of just their music, so um, it, it's, been, it's been interesting to hear about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it, I guess, uh, except for Florida and Ulysses. I have not read nearly as much as you have, uh, unless I'm forgetting something. That's just because I listen to audiobooks during the day. That's true. It would be difficult for me to listen to audiobooks while I'm teaching. Um, so yeah, let's get into Flora and Ulysses. Um, we do not really have to introduce Kate DeCamelo, both because she's a famous author and needs no introduction, but also because we already did a book by Kate DeCamelo, um, The Tale of Despero. And that was which, episode 11. Episode 11. She is the first of several authors that we will cover. Well, I guess this is the first author who's, who we've read a second book by mm-hmm. in this series, and there will be several, several others who will also have that distinction by the time that we're done. Um, so rather than recap what we said the last episode, we'll just direct you to episode 11, Tale of Despero. Um, so yeah, um, I read this book several weeks ago, and Rebecca literally just finished this book, so I'm going to defer to Rebecca to summarize the plot, because I have reviewed the plot to um, refresh my memory. However, 
think it would be fresher in Rebecca's memory. All right. Well, I'm also referring to Wikipedia to refresh my own memory <laughs> about the plot of this book. But That's true. Parts of this book you read weeks ago. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that. But this book is set in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, Floribel Buckman is the main character, and the book is told from her perspective. And she is a self-proclaimed... Well, some, somewhat from, from her perspective. Mostly from her perspective. There are other perspectives as well. Um, she's a self-proclaimed cynic. She loves reading comic books, and her parents have recently been divorced. Um, she really bonded with her dad over reading comic books. That was something that they did together. And um, now that he's like a sad bachelor, she feels very disconnected from him. And she's also living with her mom. She's living with her mom, yeah. But even when she's with her dad, like it feels, they just don't have that same <laughs> connection anymore, or that was my understanding. But anyway, um, then one day, at the beginning of the book, uh, a neighbor surprises his wife with a fancy vacuum. I think it's like the Ulysses 2000 or something like that. And um, it's got headlights. Really super duper vacuum cleaner, and he's really excited about this gift for his wife. And his wife is like, "Dude, it's a vacuum cleaner." But anyway, this vacuum cleaner has a mind of its own. It goes into the yard and <coughs> basically drags the woman behind. The woman's name is Tootie. It drags her behind, and um, it sucks up this squirrel. And we think that the squirrel is dead, but it turns out that this being sucked up by the vacuum cleaner gives him these superpowers. Um, he can understand humans, and he can type, he can fly, um, he has other powers, like he is really strong. Um, anyway, he's a superhero, and um, Flora names him Ulysses after the vacuum cleaner, and she says to Ulysses that he must use his newfound powers to right wrongs, fight injustice, or something. Um, and so Ulysses decides that he's going to write on Flora's mother's typewriter. Flora's mother is a um, novelist, and she has this lamp named Marianne that is like a shepherdess? Yeah, it's, I think so. It's really tacky. Flora hates it. Her mom loves it. And um, anyway, that Marianne will come back in the story later. Um, anyway, Flora's mother discovers this squirrel and she hates him. She's very disturbed by him. She thinks he has rabies. Um, so Flora talks to her mom about her desire to, she also asks Flora's dad to kill this squirrel. Um, he does not end up killing the squirrel because the squirrel actually saves him from this really scary cat that lives in his building. Um, and Flora and her dad reconnect over this idea of like this squirrel having these super superpowers like these heroes in their comic books. Um, so anyway, Flora gets really mad at her mom that she would even want this squirrel killed. They get into a shouting match. Her mom says some really hurtful things, and Flora um, just feels really lonely, feels like her mother doesn't really love her. Um, she decides to go live with her dad. That doesn't end up happening, but her mother devises this plot to um, have Ulysses type a fake letter 
Have we said that the squirrel was named Ulysses? Yes. Okay. Because she named it after the vacuum cleaner. Right, 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 right. I said that. Okay, sorry. Anyway. There's a lot of details in this book. Yes. So anyway, um, she has this squirrel type a fake letter from himself saying that I don't even remember what it it's said. It's basically like I've gone to back, back to live in the wild. Right. Like I can't live with y'all. And... Right. And um, she kidnaps him. Flora catches wind of this and then takes Marianne basically at, to like negotiate an exchange. Um, and there's this character, I, I should talk about William Spiver. Um, there's this little guy that's about Flora's age named William Spiver. He's this very like quirky character. He's actually the nephew of Tootie, the woman that has the vacuum cleaner. He comes to live with her. We come to find out that he comes to live with her because his um, mother is dating this guy that he really doesn't like. Um, he takes revenge on this guy by like pushing his truck into a pond, and his mom then sends him away. So he's dealing with the hurt of being left from his mother, um, but then joins Flora in this mission of, like, helping Ulysses find his power and how Ulysses' powers can help them all heal. He's also gone blind. Yes, he's gone temporarily blind. Nobody believes him. They think that he's just exaggerating. I didn't believe him. And I felt bad at the end when he was like, no, you, you, he says this beautiful thing of, like, he tells his aunt, he's like, you're not in my body. You don't know. I cannot see. Anyway, it's, I've, I felt very humbled by that line of, like, it just reminded me of what a grown-up I am when I read books now, you know? Like you, you read them from the children. The, you read them from the perspective of, like, an adult, which is really boring and um, limited. I don't know. I felt bad. But anyway, uh, where am I? You're I going to go get Ulysses who has been kidnapped by Flora's yes. mom. Yes, so through a series of events, like Ulysses saves himself from the mother's plot to kidnap him and kill him, and um, Flora's mom realizes that Flora has left the house, that she's gone, and she finds her, but as she's calling for her, Flora thinks that what she really wants is the lamp, Marianne. Um, and then she discovers all along that her mother loves her, and that's who she really came for. Um, so that's, that's kind of a plot synopsis. Anything yeah, that I left I, out that you think I should... I mean, there's a lot of little incident that gets yeah. left out. There's that, uh, neighbor of the dad who is from, oh, like, yeah. some other country that's made up, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's, like, this kind of whimsical character who takes in different characters at different times to counsel them and just be, be silly. Um, let's see... He when she kind of facilitates a lot of these healing conversations or right. like or like self discovery moments. There's also um, the the format of the book, which is worth pointing out. It's yes. called an illuminated adventure, and what that means is it's illustrated, and there are parts that are illustrated kind of conventionally, where you have like you know just illustrations next to the text, and then there are other passages that are actually in comic book form. So um, you'll be reading along, and then like one chapter will be a comic book version of the story progressing. Um, so that's why it's called an illuminated adventure. It's um, illustrated with both traditional illustrations as well as comic books. Yeah. What did you like about this book, Michael? Um, I liked a lot of things about it. Um, 
just the little details. I think that the book does a good job of um, being kind of silly and whimsical while also having like characters who are going through some sort of like pain or like existential crisis at the same time. And the book never really, you know, sometimes books that are silly will take this hard left turn into sentiment where it has to like, we got to stop being silly now so that we can have all the characters share their feelings. And the book never really does that. Uh, the book kind of stays in this strange, like heightened, like goofy tone the whole time while also doing a really good job of like, I think showing how the characters feel. Um, some, something that I compared it to before we started and uh, something that I know that Rebecca is not a fan of is uh, the work of filmmaker Wes Anderson, which this reminded me of because a lot of his films have this kind of uh, like highly artificial, very, uh, you know, almost like, um, you know, closed off tone uh, that like engages in kind of silly or absurd stuff, but in doing so reveals these characters' inner lives and the kind of pain that they're going through. And um, I mean, this isn't as dark or involved as a lot of Wes Anderson stuff, but it did remind me of that, where the surface of it is very affected and kind of strange and has a lot of distancing effects to it. Um, and then behind that is like some character turmoil. Um, like interiorly, that a lot of the characters are using this whimsy as a coping mechanism. Um, so like Flora has her comic books and the way that, like there's an element of this book that could be read as like this entire framework is Florida, Flora trying to cope with like the, the kind of splitting of her family now that her family is divorced and she's doing it through the medium of comic books. And so like all of this she's understanding through um, that sort of narrative framework. Because um, it's like her that convinces the squirrel that he is a superhero, mm -hmm. for example. And like he doesn't really seem to have that many powers. <laughs> like he can jump and like... He can fly. Right, and fly. But he doesn't fly that much. Um, and I, I don't know, like she is the one kind of imposing the superhero framework on them and it's a way for her to understand. Because like for, for a long portion of the book, the mom is the villain. And so it's kind of her working out like the... Um, just the, the complicated feeling she has about her parents now that they've separated and how living with her mother has kind of made her and her mother at odds. And so she's framing it as this uh, kind of binary superhero villain narrative. Um, and then you also have someone like William Spiver, who is also like, a, you know, dealing with his own stuff. And he doesn't like have narratives, but he does have like this like kind of smarter, like smarty pants kind of demeanor to him that you can kind of tell is like he's being precocious because he's trying to, um, you know, put up defenses against like the, the feelings, you know, he doesn't want vulnerability because that would, that's, that's difficult. Um, anyway, I, I liked that element of it, the, the way that those two things mixed in a way that I, I thought was worked pretty well. Um, what did you like about it? I think the premise is cute. Um, we'll get into what I dislike later, but it's not really a critique of the book. It's really a critique of me. Um, but anyway, I think the premise is cute. It's a funny idea. Um, I really love the relationship between Flora and her dad and just their shared love of comics and how that comes out throughout the book. And 
I don't know, I just think that's sweet. It's something that, like, Flora's mom is really concerned about, that she just wants to stay in her room all day and read comics. And so they have this divide because she doesn't really understand it. But Flora feels this divide because, like, she's not with her dad who understands. So when they kind of, like, understand each other through this shared love of comics, it's just... It's like any art that you share with somebody else. Like the joy is multiplied when you share it with somebody. And I think we see that happen with them. And um, like he gets just so excited about the squirrel and the adventures of it all. Um, so I, I think that whole relationship is really sweet. It is nice sharing um, stories with someone you love. Yeah, like you and I are doing right now. But yes, anyway, that very thing. Um. I think all the emotional scenes hit just right, just like Kate DiCamillo does over and over again. Um, she's just really good at that. Like, th- when they have this fight, Flora and her mom, like what her mom said, Flora says, I'm going to go live with my dad. I think her mom says something like, well, great, that would make my life so much easier. And just like hearing that, like, putting yourself in that position and hearing that, like, it, it's crushing. It's so crushing. And um, she doesn't do it with a lot of, like, like a flair or anything. It's just there, and you see kind of the disastrous effects of that kind of happen. I think that scene is done really well. Um, and you, I also think her mom's, like, I, I feel for this mom. Like, she is the arch nemesis, you know, throughout the book, but... Like that, and Flora calls her that. I'm not saying that, but anyway, um, you see her desperate attempt to foster this neurotypical child because she wants her to fit in. She wants her to have friends. She wants her to be normal. No, she wants a neurotypical child, and she doesn't have one. And I think she's trying to foster an environment where she does. But what's so ironic about that is she's super quirky herself, you know. And and I just. I kind of feel like we see her trying to remake her own childhood through her daughter because she wants it to be easier for her. That's not in there, like, fully. Yeah, I don't think we ever learn about her childhood, do we? But I just like her obsession with this weird lamp. Like, I just... That doesn't have to mean as many things as I'm making it mean. But, like, you see throughout the book that people look at her and are like, is, you know, it's something... You, I just don't quite understand everything that's going on here. And I see her trying desperately to make a different life for Flora. And um, so I think just as a parent, like, you have empathy for that, um, even if you don't agree with the decisions that she makes or, like, how she goes about that. Um, I think the scene where Flora is just really seeking her dad when she feels lonely is sweet. She has to think for a minute, like, I'm feeling lonely. I want home. What does that look like? It's with my dad. Um, and I think William Spiver is mostly just like a super quirky, but when we hear him talk about that scene between his mom and the boyfriend, um, it just, it honestly, it reminded me of a lot of kids that I've worked with that I've seen their caregivers pick their significant others over them and having to watch them like come to the realization of what that means. Um, it's just, it's really hard, and there's not a, a good way to reconcile that, and Kate Camelo doesn't try to, you know? And so I, I appreciate her honesty about that. Um, and then, you know, I think the ending is sweet. How in the end, 
Flora realizes her mom really does love her and her mom realizes that who Flora is right now is the most important thing to me and that's what I'm going to fight for. So that's what I liked. All right. I'm going to say what I didn't like and then I'll let you say what you didn't like. Okay. Um, Isn't that what we always do? I meant that I wanted to go first. Well, you, yeah, we switch back and forth. Okay, so um, I think... It's less about things I didn't like in this book and just things that I don't think worked as well as maybe I would have wanted them to. I guess like part of it is the only other Kate DeCamelo book I've read is Tale of Despero. And that is a consistently surprising book where you have this unfolding plot and things are always happening in ways that make like each successive chapter makes the book feel bigger. Um, and so I guess that's kind of what I'm comparing this to. Um, and this book is kind of like Despero in the sense of there's an animal sidekick and uh, there is uh, this kind of unfolding plot that has like kind of silly um, elements. It's got kind of a genre, fr- uh, uh, you know, framing of it. Like Despero had like the fairy tale framework and this has the superhero framework. But I think that... As the book goes on, some of what happens ends up being merely just, like it's very, like this book is very full of incident, but I'm not, it it a lot of times feels like it's spinning its wheels, not because what's happening is bad, but then when you reflect back over like, okay, what all happened here? Like there's all sorts of kind of kooky stuff that happens that's like, oh wow, what's going to happen now in the moment? But then when you reflect over it, I don't know how much it adds um, for example, uh, I know that she's mainly there to allow William Spiver to be there, but Tootie, the neighbor, I never really felt, what, what was I supposed to do with her? Like, she's silly and kind of funny, and she's always just kind of like this flighty, like, you know, airheaded person, um, who's, you know, willing to go along with what the kids want to do, and helps them at certain points. Like, I get her function in the narrative, but, like, I wonder, we spend a lot of time with her at times, and I wonder how much that time was worth in the, in the context of the book. Like, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is this book feels longer than it needs to be, and I feel like that there's ways in which it could be more efficient or trimmed down, just because it's so busy all the time. Uh, you have all these little quirky little anecdotes and little, little cul-de-sacs that the, the narrative takes, and I don't dislike anything that's in here, but as a whole, I kind of wish it were less shaggy. It just doesn't feel as as tightly constructed as Despero. Um, I mean, overall, I liked it, but uh, by the end, I was I was kind of ready to be ready to be done with it, and a little bit before it ended. I think I just got kind of maybe a bit fatigued by how busy it ends up being. Um, without the feeling of a constant, like, forward momentum. Um, I don't know. How, what do you feel? Yeah, I, I feel those things, too. I will, to give the book credit, I feel like I've been an irresponsible reader because I have not prioritized this book, and so I started it a long time ago, and I've just kind of read it really slowly. So I don't feel like I've devoured it in the same way that I have other books where I can, like, speak about it better. Um, this is not, as you kind of alluded to with the Wes Anderson sort of thing, 
I can appreciate this, but it's not like my go-to book. Like I, I love Kate DiCamillo, but I don't love this style of like story book. It's just very, very quirky and it's supposed to be, and I appreciate it for what it is, but like I wanted it to be funnier than it was. And, um, I felt like the characters weren't super dynamic. They're mostly just quirky. Like, you do see them have, like, moments of vulnerability and stuff, but, like, that's not really till the very end, I felt like. I think it depends on the character. Someone yeah. like Flora is always, like, dealing with the kind of intense, like, emotional stuff with her parents being separated. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, like, someone like... William Spiver, you don't really He's just understand kind of there for like the comedic effort. I mean, comedic effort. Um, Relief. Yes, until the very end. But even then, like, I'm glad we know his story. I don't. I don't know. The other thing about it, and this is another. This is like a. I feel like a limit of mine, a bias of mine. I. I like animated movies. I really do. I don't love cartoons though, like like shows, cartoon shows. I don't know if this makes any sense because it doesn't to Michael. But I say that, and then I can get really into some. Anyway, I, when I read books, like I picture the characters as like real people, and that helps me like connect with them. For some reason, I think it was because this book was so silly. Silly sounds reductive, but. It is. Well, it is. is it is trying right to be. It it's it is trying to be like whimsical yes. and off the cuff and a little bit like goofy in ways that are. It's like a tone thing where the tone is meant to be light yeah. and uh, almost like half joking all the time, but not in a sarcastic way. Just in a way that like. Like almost like a Dr. Seuss story or something yes. like that where yeah. the the tone is really bubbly and is constantly introducing like strange little little ideas and uh, weird little, little occurrences. Right. So I, I think because of that tone combined with the illustrations that are throughout the book, I just couldn't shake in my memory. Like it was a cartoon the whole time I was reading it. And I just felt like because of that, I couldn't fully connect with the characters because of my own bias about silly cartoons. Is that fair? Like, so these are not critiques of the book. These are more critiques of me. I think that makes, that makes sense. Um, That's all that I have. I think it's interesting. We were looking this up beforehand, but uh, Disney adapted this into a movie for Disney plus a couple of years ago. And I was fully expecting it to be animated, um, but it's not. Is it's it, live it action. Be. I mean, it's it's made to be an animated. Yeah, thing, but they made you it. You could live imagine, action. like, I mean, this is getting into the weeds, but I could imagine Leica or someone like that, like an animation studio, doing a good job with this. Disney probably. I I don't know. I've not seen the movie, but I can imagine the kind of. Um, milk toast decom that this became when Disney oh, adapted yeah. it. I have no interest in seeing it. And it's not because I hated this book, but I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I wanna, also I, wanna, I looked at like the, a picture of the CGI squirrel and it just, I don't Yeah, know. it would have been better if it was fully animated. Um, it feels but, like it animated. I want to, I want to cheerlead, uh, I want to cheerlead you into giving this a thumbs down. 
Um, no. Because I think that you're tempted to give it a thumbs up on the merits of it being a Kate DeCamelo book. <laughs> but I want you to put your foot down and say, Kate DeCamelo has a book that I don't like. No, because if I gave Strawberry Girl a thumbs up, I need... I would give this one a thumbs up. I can already hear my mom's. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm not saying like. I'm not saying because that was a bad book. I'm just saying like, there were things I disliked about that book, but overall, I think it is a good book, and I feel the same way about this. Like, and I feel like, I also don't feel like I read this very well to justify a thumbs down. It is my least favorite Kate DeCamelo book. But I still think it's fun and good. Like, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. And you can't bully me into okay. otherwise. I said cheerleaders. I did not say bullies. I guess cheerleaders can be bullies at times. What are you going to give? I am thumbs up, not as enthusiastic as, for instance, Tale of Despero. Right. Which I really like. Or, and I think I was also just mad as I was reading this because, like, I still feel like... Because of When Dixie is the best book that I've read by Kate DiCamelo. It is, I think it's her best work. And it didn't get, it just got the honor. It didn't win. It did won look, many other awards. Did we look and see what won instead of Because of When Dixie? I have looked a few times, but I always forget. So yeah, it's just like, it it's sad to me that, that I think that book was so much better, but this this is a book that, that won. I don't know. But that's a silly, I don't know. That's I mean, not, I think... You know, any any interaction sad. that you have with the book, you're bringing your baggage from yeah. just who you are with it. Um, because of... It was A Year Down Yonder by Richard Peck. I've read a Richard Peck book, and mm. I don't remember it impressing me. Just, so we're going to say that uh, Because of Winn-Dixie was robbed, even though I've not read Because of Winn-Dixie. Yeah, maybe the next time we do 2000s, we'll read that one so that we can revisit this conversation. We'll read Because of Winn-Dixie? No, um, a year oh, down a yonder. Year down like down when yonder. we get back to the two thousands, that's a book we can choose, which okay. will be a while. <laughs> yeah. So all of our two thousands books are going to be Kate DeCamelo themed, <laughs> even if they're not about Kate DeCamelo. Um. So any last thoughts about this 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 here book? No, it's. I wish I was telling Michael. I wish this is one I think we could have read with our son. Um, He's four, and we've just started, like, reading chapter books with him at night, and he's getting really into it. And we've mostly just done um, Magic Treehouse books, and he's really enjoying those. But like, He liked Captain Underpants. He did like Captain Underpants, and he liked those dumb... I shouldn't say... That's mean of me to say. Those dog, cat, man, whatever they are. The, the author of Captain Underpants wrote some graphic novels yes. that um, Jarvis likes, our son, uh, and Rebecca clearly does not. Thumbs down on the uh, I just don't understand them. But I think that this book, Flora and Ulysses, it would have been fun to read with him. I think he could have trekked with it, and I think it would have made me enjoy it more reading it with him. Um, do you think an element of you being less enthusiastic about it, like, do you think this is geared toward younger kids than the other books? I don't know, because it deals with some pretty mature themes. Yeah, and I guess the protagonist is like, what, she's supposed to be like 10 or something? She's 11, 11. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I guess thinking about it, I wouldn't say that this is for particularly younger readers than uh, Desperate. But I could see a really young reader like thinking this superhero squirrel that could type was cool. I yeah. don't know. That was something I forgot I, to say. 
The poem that Ulysses writes at the end, I think, is so sweet. I do like the poems that Ulysses writes. They're kind of silly. But, but the one at the very end was very, very sweet. It is. The epilogue, it was a great the way to end. Why don't you poetry. end this episode we'll, with that? We'll end this episode with that, and then we'll talk about our next book. Um, so this is Epilogue, Scroll Poetry, Words for Flora. Nothing would be easier without you. Because you are everything, all of it. Sprinkles, quarks, giant donuts, eggs, sunny side up. You are the ever-expanding universe to me. I thought that was so sweet. Yeah. Well, and a lot of those two are references to the book. Yes. Like, he has donuts at one point with sprinkles. Yeah. And... See, how can I give a book that ends in that way a thumbs down? I can't. I can't. And I won't. I have an anxiety. Anxiety is too strong of a word. I have a misgiving that we're being too forgiving on this podcast because it's kate to camilla no i mean just mean in general i think there are books that in retrospect we don't actually regard very highly but that we give them <laughs> thumbs up i think we've become i think we've become we're, more confident in giving things thumbs down but we're not here okay irregardless irregardless <laughs> uh our next book is going to be from the 2020s there's only a few 2020 books to choose from but we are choosing one of them, and uh, it's actually the most recent Newbery Award winner um, as of the, this recording. So this is the 2023 Newbery Medal uh, recipient, Free Water, which is by Amina Lukman Dawson. Um, I don't know anything about this book, except that it is historical fiction. So um, we'll see how it is. Thanks for listening. Good.